The article by Allison Hope offers several great suggestions for clapping back at the haters, and I'd like to quickly go over some of them with you. The first one is to be an active upstander, which means challenging homophobia and transphobia wherever you see it, and helping create spaces where everyone can feel safe, supported, and respected. That could involve sharing articles on social media that help debunk misconceptions about LGBTQ people or offering a shoulder to cry on for someone who's struggling. Another tip is to take to the streets and participate in protests or organize events that raise awareness of LGBTQ issues. There's power in numbers, and when people come together to make their voices heard, change becomes a real possibility. Don't underestimate the impact that even a small gathering can have in your local community. The article also encourages lobbying your elected officials and voting for candidates who support LGBTQ rights. No matter where you live, there's likely some anti-LGBTQ legislation that you can work against, so educate yourself on the issues, get involved with LGBTQ advocacy organizations, and make your voice heard on behalf of those who might not have the same platform. Here's a crucial one. Commit to learning and teaching. You know what they say about knowledge being power, right? It's true. Educating yourself about LGBTQ experiences and sharing that information with others is a fantastic way to build empathy and understanding. And finally, it's essential to honor intersectionality, recognizing that LGBTQ individuals also have other identities that influence their experiences, like race, ethnicity, age, and more. As we move away from Pride Month, let's not forget that the fight for LGBTQ rights goes on all year round. We need to be vigilant, supportive, and willing to take a stand, not just in June, but always. Now, moving on to our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions at brainwavespod.com, and our vibrant community of brainwavers will be here to help. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey Brainwaves, this is Lisa from San Francisco. So, here's the thing. I'm an LGBTQ plus athlete, and I'm really passionate about the sport I play. But the environment I'm in is super heteronormative, which can be really challenging for me at times. My teammates are great and all, but there's a lot of locker room talk and assumptions that everyone is straight, and that kind of gets to me. I don't want to feel like I'm hiding my true self, but I'm also worried about the potential negative consequences if I openly express my sexuality in this environment. So what do you think? How can I navigate managing my identity as an LGBTQ plus athlete in a situation like this without causing any unnecessary drama or alienation? Thanks, Brainwaves. Looking forward to your straight talk. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for sharing your situation with us. Absolutely. Being an LGBTQ plus athlete in a traditionally heteronormative environment can be a tightrope walk. But have no fear, because Brainwaves has got your back. First off... Let's acknowledge the fact that locker room talk and assumptions about everyone being straight wrongly diminish the beautiful spectrum of human sexuality. So, kudos to you for being brave enough to address this issue. 
Now, when it comes to navigating this environment, remember that change often takes time and patience. You shouldn't feel like you have to sacrifice your true self for the sake of a peaceful locker room. So, share your experiences and identity, but do it at your own pace and remember, you don't owe anyone an explanation or justification for who you are. Start by building stronger connections with some of your more open-minded teammates and let them know how important your identity is to you. You might find some unexpected allies. Additionally, consider finding external support networks, like an LGBTQ plus athletes group, which can provide valuable advice and encouragement. This could also help relieve some of the pressure of navigating your current situation. If you feel the time is right to bring up the subject of heteronormativity and locker room talk with your teammates, do it in a non-confrontational way. Make it relatable by using personal experiences and focus on educating and raising awareness rather than blaming. You can work towards fostering a more inclusive environment for all members of the team. Unfortunately, the potential for negative consequences does exist, but always remember that you're not alone. Many LGBTQ plus athletes across the globe have faced similar challenges, and some have become important changemakers in the world of sports. If things do take a turn for the worse, be prepared to take a stand or find allies to support you. Reach out to your sport's governing body or even speak to coaches and trainers about the issue. In extreme cases, consider reporting any serious incidents to the authorities. Remember that you have the right to participate in your sport as your true self without the fear of discrimination or mistreatment. So Lisa, my advice for you is to be yourself and take small steps towards creating a more inclusive environment that celebrates the diversity of athletic talent. Don't let fear or society's expectations dim your light. Keep shining bright and pushing boundaries and who knows, maybe you'll even inspire some of your teammates to follow your lead. Good luck out there, Lisa. And as always, stay true to yourself. Hey there, Brainwaves. I'm Lisa from Chicago. I've got a doozy for you. So, I was raised in a pretty strict religious community, and although I've stepped away from those beliefs and now consider myself more culturally agnostic, there's still some lingering shame and guilt I've internalized over the years. It's mostly related to my sex life or even just expressing my sexuality because, you know, we were all supposed to be pure and innocent and save everything for the good old wedding night. Now that I'm on my own, I've had some fabulous experiences and dated some great people, but there's this nagging little voice in the back of my head, the one that was there in childhood, reminding me of the good girl rules I'm breaking. I know it's not logical, but I just can't shake it. So, I feel like I'm not fully enjoying my life or relationships, and I don't want that to be the case. What advice do you have for coping with internalized shame related to cultural or religious upbringing so I can go forward in my life and be a more authentic and present version of myself? Love the podcast, by the way. Thanks a bunch. Hey, Lisa from Chicago. Thanks for tuning in and sharing your story. First off, I want to give you a high five for branching out from your upbringing and discovering your own identity. That's some serious self-awareness and strength you've got there. So, kudos to you. Now let's address that pesky, internalized shame. We've all got our hang-ups, and you're definitely not alone when it comes to the lasting effects of a strict religious upbringing. And I can assure you, that little voice does not have carte blanche to rule your life. First things first, let's give a hearty middle finger to that judgmental internal nag 
Not literally. Unless you want to, I won't judge. The point is that recognizing and naming that voice is the first step in shutting it down. So when it pops up, say, Hey there, unwelcome childhood baggage. Nice of you to drop by, but I'm busy enjoying my life right now, so kindly see yourself out. Practice some mental housekeeping, and you'll find that over time, that voice gets quieter and more infrequent. Another helpful tactic is communication. Sharing your experiences and feelings with your partner or future partners can help alleviate some of that guilt. Trust me, vulnerability makes you more human and, frankly, a hell of a lot more interesting. You'll probably find that your partner has their own nagging voices and can offer support and understanding as you both navigate your relationships and intimacy. I also recommend working on self-acceptance. Take time to appreciate and love your body, your feelings, and your desires. They're a part of you, and they're perfectly natural. It might help to practice mindfulness or meditation to tune into yourself and give that internal self-love some extra oomph. If you can, find a community that shares your values and experiences and who can offer support and camaraderie in your journey. Finally, it might be useful to seek out a professional. Therapists and counselors are trained to help you work through these kinds of feelings. They can offer coping mechanisms and guidance tailored specifically to your situation. No harm in seeking an extra hand in banishing that pesky voice, right? So there you go, Lisa. Be kind to yourself, communicate, practice self-acceptance, and maybe seek some professional help if it feels right. We all deserve to enjoy our lives to the fullest, free from shame and guilt. Keep exploring, growing, and enjoying your newfound freedom. You've earned it. And hey, next time that little voice pops up, remember that your new friend Brainwaves has your back. Take care. Hey Brainwaves, this is Kevin from San Francisco. So, here's my dilemma. I've been working remotely for about a year now, and I gotta say, I'm struggling with this whole work-life balance thing. You'd think it'd be a dream, right? But man, the lines between work and home just keep blurring. To start with, my home office is just a few steps away from my bedroom, so it's like I never really leave work. I find myself working odd hours and checking emails late at night because, hey, my office is right there. It's also tough to differentiate between my off days and work days, since every day looks the same now. This is affecting my relationships, too. My partner feels like I'm always half-present, and when my friends call, all I can talk about is work. Like, I get the importance of hustle but I also need to unwind and have a life outside of work, you know? I'd love some advice on how to clearly define my work and personal life boundaries while working remotely. How can I maintain my work efficiency without letting it consume my entire existence? Looking forward to your wittiness and wisdom. Rock on. Hey, Kevin. First off, thanks for tuning in and welcome to the struggle that is remote work. Let's dive into your dilemma, but don't forget your swimmies. It's treacherous waters out there. It seems like you've fallen into what I like to call workplace quicksand. The more you struggle, the deeper you sink. Fear not, my friend, I've got a metaphorical rope for you. Here's the deal. Working remotely requires discipline, and it's clear that you need to set some boundaries. So let's talk boundary building 101. Step 1. Create a sacred space for work. It may sound woo-woo, but trust me, it'll help. If you have the luxury of a separate room as an office, great. If not, find a corner, ideally not in your bedroom, and designate it as your work zone. Feel free to give it a cute name like the Hustle Hut or the Productivity Palace. 
whatever tickles your fancy. Step 2. Establish a consistent work schedule and stick to it like glue. Remember how life had structure before? You'd wake up, commute, work, lunch, work, commute, and then... Freedom. Yeah, we're recreating that vibe. Define your work hours, set boundaries on when you'll check and respond to emails, and make it clear to your partner, friends, and colleagues that when you're off the clock, you're off the clock. Step 3. Create routines and rituals. This might include a morning routine to get yourself amped for work, a lunch break walk to stretch those legs, or a post-work ritual to unwind. Have you considered work pants? The simple act of changing out of them when work is done might trigger your brain that it's time to relax. Just don't go pantsless during video calls, Kevin. I don't want to read about you in the news. Step 4. Communicate your boundaries with others. Talk to your partner, friends, and colleagues about your struggles and let them know you're taking action. Create a mutual understanding of your work-life balance needs. Express your commitment to being present during your off hours. Remember, communication is the WD-40 of relationships. Keep those gears turning smoothly. Step 5. Self-check-ins. Every so often, assess your work-life balance. Make adjustments as needed and maintain a willingness to adapt. Remember, Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither is a solid work-life balance. Progress, my dude. Finally, be kind to yourself. This journey isn't an overnight transformation. Reward yourself for progress, learn from setbacks, and acknowledge your efforts. In the wise words of a certain ogre named Shrek, onions have layers, and so does work-life balance. So go forth, Kevin, and build those healthy boundaries. Rock on! Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 